Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Karl Barth, who was a, a really famous theologian uh, in the last century, uh, was asked at the end of his life, what's, what's the most profound thing that you've learned about God in, in your life of study? And, and Barth thought for a moment and then replied, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, it's really simple, but, but also uh, coming from Barth is extremely profound. But you can get the same answer coming from a different place as well. So you take uh, an 80s kid like me who grew up in the church, uh, knowing next to nothing really about about theology and the Bible and the the depths of it, and and simply asking, hey, what is Christianity all about? And perhaps that little 80s kid would say, I don't know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's the same answer, but very different work going into it. Paul's going to talk a lot in Ephesians about our identity and who we are and what God has done for us and the hope that we have in Christ. But but he's going to challenge us to make sure that we don't just uh, recite an answer, that we memorize the answer and that's all we have because it's the work that goes into finding that answer that's actually really important. That's the profound piece. That before we can understand amazing grace, you can sing it, And they're just words, amazing and grace, put together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Sure, that's got a great tune. But amazing grace is only amazing when you first understand the work that went before. About, about, in particular, John Newton wrote that song and that he was a slave trader. That he was the captain of a slave trading vessel and did that for years in his life. And think of the atrocities that he saw and did the brokenness he experienced in his life. And so it's when he encounters grace that saved a wretch like me. It's the foundation that grace is built upon that shows how great the grace is. So Paul is going to work through that with us here this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. Before we can get to this grace, the amazing love of God, we first have to grapple with, with who we are apart from him. And that none of it is deserved. And so, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you, he's talking to each of us. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. Uh, he, He starts off pretty heavy, pretty hard. We were dead. We were hopeless. We were condemned. Apart from the work of Jesus, particularly as Gentiles that we were condemned in our sin, that we were hopeless and separated, dead. That's where we start. That's the foundation we start from, that that I did not earn God's favor, that God did not shine His face on me because I was so great and I worked myself out of my sin, but simply I was dead, period. Dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Um, Remember in particular that he's writing to an Ephesian church who uh, had no Christians at one point, that none of these people grew up in the faith, that they were all Gentile pagans who had all come to faith through the proclamation of the gospel that Paul brought them. 
Uh, now, for some of us, we've grown up in the church, and that might not make sense to us, this verse that, well, no, I, I've grown up in the church, and I've always known Jesus, but, but apart from from God's work in your life, probably even maybe even from the earliest of ages, that we were just like everyone else who doesn't know God, that we were on the same path, that we were headed to the same destination, that we were also condemned, even though God saved us early, He still saved us from the same things. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This word flesh uh, in the Greek is sarx, and it means our sinful nature. This need, this need to, to find gratification, to, to satisfy every whim and desire, that it's really slavery, and, and that all of humanity, apart from the work of Jesus, is enslaved in this sin, and, and all of us are stuck in this current. And it really just feels very normal and natural when, when everyone is headed in this direction living after the flesh. But God ha- has pulled us out of it, that we were once like all the, uh, the rest of the world. And then we see in verse 4 here, one of, I mean, really, it's one of the greatest verses in the Bible, that, that he set the, painted this picture, that we were condemned, that we were hopeless, that we were sinful, that we, that we were just like everyone else, that, that we were hopeless, that we were under the wrath of God for the sins and the rebellion in our life, that we were under God's wrath. Verse 4, But God, rich in mercy because of the great love which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The gospel is not about us. This good news is not about how great we are and God saw that, but it's all about God who rescues us in spite of us. That God saw us in our our desperation and our condemnation under His wrath and He rescued us because of His great love and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only has God rescued us from hitting rock bottom, but also has given us these thrones, has given us these crowns, has given us this place as sons and daughters and co-heirs with Christ, not just rescued us, but adopted us. So that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace, and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Just imagine the glory someday that God will get, the, the, the magnitude of His goodness when, when the whole motley crew of us who have been saved are standing before Him. Look at God's goodness in saving wretches like us that He would overlook, that He would die for sinners like me and you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, I came across a quote this week that said, There is nothing at all within us that has inclined Him to choose us. that God's grace goes first, that we were condemned, that we were hopeless, but God saves out of His goodness and His mercy. 
We talked a couple of weeks ago about mercy, and we talked about the empathy that we have towards others and, and realizing that we are no different from those who are committing you know, sins around us, that we're really no different than them other than the fact that God has intervened in our behalf. And as we look out on others, we need to have the mercy and the, the pity on others who don't know Jesus, who are just desperately trying to find hope as they also are slaves to this, this flesh, trying to pursue the desires that are natural, that seem natural to them. And it's this realization here that I am no different than the rest of humanity. The only difference is that God has rescued me, that God has saved me by grace. Um, I was uh, recalling uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, doing some research on, on Woodstock 99, which is this huge festival in New York, trying to kind of replicate uh, the 69 festival. And, and, and Woodstock 99 was, uh, it was brutal. Um, it was just totally different. It ended up in like there, there's countless uh, uh, sexual abuses. There's there was there was uh, it, the whole thing ended in a riot where they were burning things down in this huge riot, and it was just it was awful. And at the time that happened, I was 18, and I look back on it now, and and you want to scorn and scoff at those kids that were doing that, but um, I put myself there. If I was in that situation, in that context, knowing who I was at the time, would I really have acted any differently? And I think that's, that's the core of mercy is realizing that putting ourselves in other people's shoes that we probably would do the same things for the same reasons in their context, in their shoes. And it's, it's, it's realizing that we are those sinners, that, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but that God has rescued us, that God is the one who's intervened in our lives. We are, we are only the object God is the subject. God is the subject of this great story, and we are the object that God is working upon. We were dead, and God made us alive. And our unworthiness to His grace is what gives glory to God. And this is the work that goes in to the answer, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. When we, when we look at the depravity and the, the state of being under God's wrath and we see Jesus on the cross being the propitiation for our sins, taking the wrath of God upon himself so that God could redeem us and adopt us and choose us and seal us and give us the, the, the seats at his table, at his banqueting table in heaven, then that's the work that goes into saying that Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then there's an expectation at the end of this verse that God does all of these things, that God has saved us, that God has rescued us, that God has redeemed us, all these things out of grace. He's, he's rescued us from this condemnation that God has done it all in spite of us. But there's an expectation in verse 10 that we are to walk in these good works that God has prepared for us ahead of time. So we don't do good works so that God will see us, so that God will save us. We do them because of all that God has done for us, because God hasn't saved and rescued us simply just to save me. It's not just about him taking pity on me and not wanting me to go to hell, so he saved me, and now I'm rescued, and that's the end of the story. It's, it's more that he enlists us, that God sees us as enemies, 
under his wrath, and instead he takes the punishment for our sins to enlist us into his kingdom and has set us on a course of now being kingdom agents and, and has work for us to do. That the proper response to this amazing grace, to this Jesus who loves us, is to engage in the works that God has laid before us to do, that we walk in them. So there's this response that Paul is saying that is expected of those who understand this amazing grace. And that our conduct as a response to what God has done in our lives should bring glory to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you have rescued us, that you have picked us up out of the muck and the mire of our sin, that you have taken us, your enemies, and you've made us sons and daughters by the blood of your Son. God, help us to be able to respond in a profound way, that you love us, that your grace is amazing. And then, God, may we, as a response to all that you've done, walk into the good works that you've prepared for us to do as part of your kingdom, as kingdom citizens. We pray in your name. Amen. We, uh, we pray, we hope, we trust that you're going through your day today with joy. Take joy. <laughs>